0: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to?
1: The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. How's your butt?
0: It hurts. Does it? it hurts real bad.
1: Yeah? Uh, we, went, we went
2: to the trampoline park yesterday. <laughs> you were adorable, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: we had a lot of fun. It was a blast. I didn't realize uh, about these muscles I had had here, um, but I feel them now.
2: Yeah. 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 Can I feel them now? No. Um,
0: But yeah, the entirety of me is achy. And then last night, oh my gosh, I was so tired. And uh, we went to bed so early. Yeah, it was
2: like 7.30.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We did have like a a half a movie left to watch, so we we watched that. But yeah, I think it was... I don't think it was any later than eight when we went to sleep. We
2: didn't even eat dinner.
0: No, though I will I will say this: um, someone in the middle of the night got up and had a, a little snack of treats, yeah, uh, and yeah. potato chips.
2: Yeah, yeah. I um, I woke up hungry because uh, well we didn't have dinner, so I snuck out into the kitchen, mm-hmm. and I uh, usually I just snack standing over the sink, but I was so exhausted that I decided to sit down.
0: So exhausted from watching me jump on the
2: trampoline. Yep. Yeah, it was exhausting. and so But but the good thing is I I did eat healthy. I only had a half a can of Pringles.
0: Right, which many of them ended up on the floor. That's how I knew you got up in the middle of the night to have a snack because you're it. like a little mouse Damn it. and you make your way out and leave crumbs all over the floor. So I
2: can find my way back to the fridge.
0: <laughs> and then... A coworker of mine yesterday was saying, don't worry about being sore after the trampoline thing because if it doesn't hurt you while you're doing it, then you won't feel sore afterwards. Uh And I was like, that is 100% not true. Every time I have been in a lot of pain after doing something, it was after I went, Oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. But she's one of those people who's oh who just, you know, she says a lot of things anyway.
2: She's, and then she's, says, she's, believe me. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can always tell when somebody says, believe me after mm-hmm. it. You can't believe them. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the trampoline part goes, congratulations on not peeing yourself.
0: Thank you yeah. much. Yeah,
2: I knew you yep. were concerned about
0: mm-hmm. that.
2: I have that concern. No matter where I am, so.
0: That you're going to pee yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you've done a really great job so far.
2: Mission accomplished. So it's the Box of Oddities. You can find us on all of our social media. You can uh, you can email us at curator at theboxofoddities.com.
0: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads. We love hearing from you. Oh my gosh, and we love seeing the merch. Every once in a while we'll get a photo of someone wearing their freak flag t-shirt. Or... Did you see the little baby? I will post that this week. This is so cute. Oh my gosh. I'm Looks dying. to be
2: about five months old, wearing a box of oddities onesie.
0: Oh, I love it.
2: Raising your kids right.
0: I want a onesie. All
2: right, so you go first on this episode.
0: I thought I went first last time.
2: No, I went first last time. I don't know.
0: I can't keep track of this. It's exhausting. I'm so tired. <laughs> no, it's still you the trampolines. To, you, want,
2: do you want me to sing my, my What You Got For Me song while you're you're looking for your... No,
0: thank you. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to continue with our series of uh, profiles of eccentric people today. Excellent.
2: I love eccentric people.
0: And I want to introduce you to Henrietta Howland, a.k.a. Hetty Green. Uh, She's nicknamed the Witch of Wall Street. She was an American businesswoman and financier known as the richest woman in America during the Gilded Age.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Also incredibly eccentric, and frugal beyond words. I love it.
2: I'm loving it so far.
0: So Hetty was an only child, and her mother was uh, pretty sickly after she was about the age of two, and so her father and grandfather saw to her care. They trained her to handle money shrewdly from a very young age, reading the stock market reports to her as regular parents would read bedtime stories. (laughs) So this was for real. When she was 13, Hetty became the family bookkeeper. And this was a very wealthy whaling family. Like, they handled their money. They knew what they were doing, and they put their money in the hands of 13 year old Hetty. At the age of 16, she enrolled at the Eliza Wing School, where she remained until she was 19. Hetty's mom, Abby Robinson, died in 1860, leaving her daughter $8,000, which was equivalent to about $218,000.
2: Okay, okay.
0: Um, shortly after her mother's death, an aunt bequeathed Hetty $20,000. That would be about $545,000 in today's money. Then her father died in 1865, leaving Hetty approximately $5 million. Yeah,
2: uh, Gilded Age money.
0: Which would be equivalent to about $79 million today. Good God. Um, that included a four million dollar trust fund that drew annual earnings, and Hetty mostly used that money to invest in civil war bonds. Now, when Hetty's aunt, whose name was Sylvia Howland, died in 1868, she left two million dollars to charity. And Hetty was incensed. She actually challenged the will in court and presented what she claimed was a previously written will that left everything to Hetty. Uh, There was a clause in that will that specifically invalidated any subsequent versions of the will, which uh, seems a little sketchy to me. In the case of Robinson versus Mandel, which is notable as an early example of the forensic use of mathematics, it was ultimately decided against Robinson after the court ruled that the clause invalidating future wills and Sylvia's signature to it were forgeries. Now, the will was something that she had previously written, yes, but the clause Ah. that said no future wills were valid was not. So, after five years of legal battles, Hetty was awarded six hundred thousand dollars.
2: I wonder how much it cost her to fight it. What was the net gain on that? i wonder
0: that's a that's a great question. Hetty was not done with this fight, though. We'll get back to that. So, at the age of thirty three Hetty married Edward Henry Green on July eleventh, eighteen sixty seven
2: That's our anniversary, not the eighteen sixty seven part uh-huh. July 11th. Yeah. Wow.
0: Really kind of nice. I mean, whatever. I don't even care. It's not a big deal. Whatever.
2: <laughs> You're blushing. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Uh,
0: Green was a member of a wealthy Vermont family, and he was the only suitor that she'd had that she felt had enough money. Uh, on his own so that she didn't assume that he was a gold digger. Gotcha. She did, though, make him sign what was essentially a prenup, waiving any rights to her money. And after her family members decided that they were going to sue for the forgery of Aunt Sylvia's will, you remember that, uh, they moved to the Langham Hotel in London to avoid having to deal with that. Apparently, back in, in those days, if you just moved away, you didn't have to deal with any sort of lawsuits.
2: I miss the old days.
0: It was a good time. Then they had two kids, Sylvia and Ned. So Hattie focused on very conservative investments, uh, substantial cash reserves to back up any movement, and really focused on keeping an exceedingly cool head amidst turmoil. Edward... Her husband was not as good with money. And during this time, there were a lot of problems with the bank that they shared because even though they had separate accounts, the bank would let him use her money at will. Well, he was the man. Exactly. Yeah. Because of the time and the nature of, you know. Right rights then um, and she then decided that that was not acceptable and just got a different bank she was <laughs> like i'm taking my money elsewhere if mm-hmm. you guys can't be trusted with my dollars tss, tss, i wish i hadn't just said dollars mm. anyway
2: by the way that's how they spoke in the gold in the gilded age
0: yeah lots of snaps in a z yep. formation mm-hmm. i'm so embarrassed for myself right now I am too. okay so Yes, her money was uh, incredibly well handled. And yes, she was a very strong, independent woman at that time. But it was really her stinginess that has brought her name through the ages. She was said never to turn on heat or use hot water.
2: Really? They had it back then, too, didn't they?
0: Yeah. She had... Uh, an old black dress and undergarments that she wore until they wore out. She would wear the same dress until it would wear out.
2: In her undergarments. hmm I mean, she, she would change she them. She would wash them. She would but, wash yeah, them. Yeah. Okay. Good. But
0: wear them until they were threads. It was said that she did not wash her hands because she didn't want to waste the soap, and she rolled it. Row, and she rode in a very old carriage. She ate mostly 15-cent pies. One tale claims that Green spent half a night searching her entire carriage, tearing the thing apart, looking for a lost stamp, which was worth two cents.
2: My God.
0: Another asserts that she instructed her laundress only to spot clean her clothes, not to wash the entire garment, just spot clean to save
2: on soap. Wow. Wow. This... uh, I understand the importance of of being frugal. Of course. But... When you've got that much money mm. and you're, you know, wearing dirty underpants all the time that have only been spot cleaned, what are you saving your money for? For the love of God, buy a new underpants.
0: Uh, green saved money by conducting much of her business at the offices of the Seaboard National Bank in New York, surrounded by trunks and suitcases full of her papers. She didn't want to rent an office, so she just mm. had a room at the bank that she stored all of her stuff
2: in.
0: <laughs> and I guess if she was storing all of her money at that bank, they were pretty cool with that. I'm sure. Uh, later, rumors claimed that she had switched from 15-cent pies to oatmeal, and uh, would only heat that oatmeal on an office radiator. (laughs) (laughs) Those claims, Uh, not... (laughs) Not as well documented, so that may have been an exaggeration, but it's hard to know what is true and what isn't true because of the extent of her frugality.
2: Slash insanity.
0: (laughs) Keep in mind, though, her family uh, had come from Quakers, so there was naturally a kind of low-key, frugal nature to the way that she was raised. Well,
2: that would explain the oatmeal.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) You're ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs>
2: because of Quaker Oats. Oh, uh, no, yeah <laughs> right. You see.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good one, sweetie. Thanks. <laughs> 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 and um there is some speculation that because of the mostly male dominated nature of the the business that she was in and because she didn't try to impress people her dress was described as very dour Mm. that people found it very easy to to share these stories of her frugalness and called her the witch of wall street
2: well she heated oatmeal on a radiator
0: allegedly so as a child ned hattie's son hetty i keep calling her hattie it's hetty so when Hetty's son ned broke his leg as a child She tried to sneak him into a free clinic for the poor. (laughs) (laughs) Mythic accounts of her storming away after being recognized uh, (laughs) were shared. Eventually, she did pay her bill and admitted that um, she should have taken her son to other doctors and eventually did, but not soon enough because his leg did not properly heal. And even though he suffered through years of attempts to fix that leg... His leg had to be amputated. Oh, no.
2: Yeah. See, I'm I'm sorry, Ned, that uh, I cost you your leg because of my frugality. Here, have some radiator heated oatmeal.
0: Mmm. When Hetty's kids grew up and they left home, uh, probably very happily, uh, Green moved repeatedly among small apartments in Brooklyn Heights and Hoboken, New Jersey, mainly to avoid establishing a residence permanent enough to attract the attention of tax officials in any one state. Oh, my gosh. In her old age, this is an example of how, you know, her skimping on medical costs did not extend just to her family. It it, it counted for her, too. She developed a horrible hernia and eventually went to the doctors. It was very begrudgingly. She didn't want to, mm. but she did. And when she stripped down to her old undies, uh, they discovered that the way that she had been dealing with this hernia and for some time was to jam a stick between her underwear and the part of her body that was jutting out from the hernia. Oh,
1: no.
0: And her doctor was like, dude, that's not how we deal with things. You're going to have to have surgery for that. And when he said that the surgery would cost about $150, she jammed that stick back in and stormed out screaming that they were all robbers. Wow. (laughs) She wasn't going to have it.
2: My God.
0: So eventually she died, because you can't live like that. Not
2: with a stick in your hernia.
0: July 3rd, 1916, Hetty Green died at the age of 81 at her son's New York City home. According to her long-standing World's Greatest Miser entry in Guinness Book of World Records, she died of apoplexy after arguing with a maid over the virtues of skimmed milk. <laughs> <laughs> The New York Times reported she suffered a series of strokes that led to her death.
2: Wow. How much was she worth when she died, does it say?
0: Estimates of her net worth ranged from $100 million to $200 million, which in today's dollars would be about $2.25 to $4.5 Wow.
2: So she was like the Gilded Age version of Kylie Jenner. She was. <laughs> She was something. Well, Kylie gets a million dollars just for one Instagram post.
0: Well, we're talking billions. Yeah, billions.
2: Yeah. Well, I just read an article that said that. Uh, Why do you some... know so
0: much about Kylie Jenner?
2: Moving on. No, it just popped up in my feed mm-hmm. um, that that she is estimated to be worth about a billion dollars on her own, and that she could, ver- or very close to it, she could be the first self-made female billionaire. But define the term self-made. That implies that you started with nothing.
0: Yeah, but who starts with nothing? Americans? Probably no.
2: Some Americans.
0: Very few. Americans have already so many advantages LeBron, over so many... LeBron James. Oh my gosh, LeBron James. Can we talk about his I Promise School and how amazing that is?
2: Here's a guy that started... I just read an article about it. They said that some people some people are born on third base, and when they score, they get credit for the, for the whole home run. He was born with two strikes against him in the in the bases empty and hit a home run. It, I
0: would even say a grand slam.
2: I would say a grand slam. Yeah,
0: no errors. Right. Shortstop. It's true. Should we be using baseball analogies for a basketball player? Is that rude? That's,
2: yeah, I, I didn't make that up. I read it in a news story. They used the baseball analogy.
0: Okay. Yeah, she was arguably the richest woman in the world at that time. And she was buried in Bellows Falls, Vermont, next to her husband.
2: In a cardboard box?
0: Probably. With a- not long before she died, she had converted uh, to his Episcopalian faith so that she could be interred with him. No, Which is kind of nice. That's romantic. Considering that nothing else throughout their, their storied life together seemed sweet. So that is kind of nice. I thought.
2: It's kind of the way she lived her life, though, not having to do anything until the absolute last minute, even her religious faith.
0: Right. <laughs> you know. Her faith uh, change was essentially a stick in the yeah, hernia. Yeah, in, in the hernia.
2: Yep. <laughs> From the church of stick in a hernia.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the uh, Hetty green, a.k.a. The Witch of Wall Street. I love it.
1: And now it's time for That Thing in the Middle. That thing in the middle of this
2: episode. Ridiculous reasons why people broke up with their significant other. Number five. Every time we French kissed, he said, yummy. Ew.
0: Ew. I I know. No. I wouldn't be
2: able to show him the door fast enough.
0: Now, can it be called breaking up if you've only kissed once? Mm,
2: No. Okay.
0: So, I would have never entered into a relationship with that ever. No. (laughs) Yummy. Gross. (laughs) Ugh. Ugh. Number four. She would only eat at restaurants that served Mountain Dew. If they did not, she could slash would not eat there. I kicked that one to the curb quickly and with no hesitation, because that's insane.
2: <laughs> Number three. He smelled like maple syrup. Always.
0: That's fascinating.
2: wonder if he was Canadian.
0: I would assume so.
2: Or from Vermont.
0: Number 2, she didn't believe in the moon landing.
2: <laughs> and number 1, his toenails were so long they clicked on the floor like a dog. And then it says, post-edited from a dog to Jurassic Park raptor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh speaking of which we, we have to go we have to see the new jurassic park
2: why haven't we seen that yet
0: i don't know what's wrong with us well, let's
2: go right after we
1: record this episode
0: is that the last one yep okay
1: you're listening to the box of oddities it's cool we won't tell anyone today i'm going to talk about the
2: unusual life and uh, more importantly unusual death of gregory rasputin or rasputin if you prefer I do not. He was, of course, a Russian mystic and self-proclaimed holy man who befriended the family of Tsar Nicholas II, the last monarch of Russia. Uh, This was in the early 1900s. He was born to a peasant family in a Siberian village. Uh, He had a religious conversion experience in 1897. And according to Wikipedia, though, he held no official position in the Russian Orthodox Church. He was described as a monk. Now, he traveled to St. Petersburg, and they're not really sure if it was 1903 or 1904, but uh, he captivated some of the church and social leaders. He became a a local society figure. He met the Tsar in November of 1905. Now, he had these mystical healing powers, allegedly.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And Tsar Nicholas's son suffered from hemophilia. And since he was Nicholas's only heir, it was important that he get well. So he called Rasputin to come and, and heal his son, allegedly his son got better. At least this is what the Tsar believed. He was considered by some Russians as a mystic, a visionary, a prophet, and by others a religious charlatan. He became closer and closer with the Tsar's family. So close that he apparently started sleeping with uh, the Tsar's wife. Oh. Yeah.
0: Like snuggling up or like boink, boink?
2: Yeah, boink, boink. Oh. While well, they were fascinated by Rasputin, the uh, St. Petersburg elite did not widely accept him. They looked at him suspiciously because he was jockeying for position amongst the uh, Romanovs, the Tsar the and the Tsarina and the family. He once said that uh, in order for Russia to win World War, the Tsar himself had to go and command the troops. And so when the Tsar left to command the troops, he started fooling around with, with, his, with his wife.
0: Ah, I see. Clever. I mean wrong.
2: Now, he had kind of an interesting religion that combined Christianity with, uh, well, lots and lots of sex. Oh, so he was a cult leader. Some would say. Some would say. At one point, he felt that uh, yielding to temptation would kind of burn that out of you, that that you wouldn't be tempted anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No,
0: that's not exactly how that works, sir.
2: So his uh, affair with, uh, with Tsarina Alexandra wasn't the only affair he had, he? he cohabited with uh, all kinds of upper-class women in exchange for granting political favors. So, yeah.
0: Mm. It's kind of like Meredith on The Office when she said that she'd been doing it with the hammer mill paper rep for (laughs) stakes.
2: It's it's very much like that. Yeah. On July 12th, 1914, a 33-year-old peasant woman attempted to assassinate Rasputin by stabbing him in the stomach outside his home. Um, He got better. Because they had been denouncing his sexual escapades and self-aggrandizement, upper society having decided that Rasputin's influence over Tsarina had made him a threat to the empire, mm-hmm. a group of nobles led by Prince Felix and several other right-wing politicians concocted a plan to kill Rasputin in December of 1916. So they lure him to their house. They, they invite him down into the basement. They feed him some cakes that are laced with cyanide. Cool. He doesn't die. He doesn't even get stomach cramps. So then they gave him some wine that was laced with cyanide. Mm. That didn't do it either. So then they stabbed him and that didn't do it.
0: But did they stab him with a knife laced with cyanide?
2: (laughs) I don't know if that's the case or not. Around 2.30 in the morning, uh, his would-be assassin excused himself to go upstairs where his fellow conspirators were waiting, taking a revolver. He went downstairs into the basement. Referring to a crucifix that was in the room, told Rasputin he'd better look at the crucifix and say a prayer and then shot him once in the chest. Believing him to be dead, they then drove to Rasputin's apartment wearing Rasputin's coat and hat in an attempt to make it look like he had gone home for the night. So they get back and he's not dead yet. So they shoot him again and then they throw him in a frozen river. Now his body is recovered. It actually it somehow washed up to the shore, and there are rumors that his fingernails and tips of his fingers were bloody from trying to break through the ice. Really? So he was, so still, he was alive. still alive. Whoa! But now here's where it gets interesting. Sometime around this point, when they found his uh, body, the legend is it was missing one particular part. His dong. Yep. Oh. And they soon discovered why it was he was so popular with the ladies he was a lady no he had a 13 inch penis
0: but it was missing
2: Oh, it it surfaced again
0: oh it surfaced i see okay i'm confused
2: somebody cut off his wang after he was dead in the 1920s a group of russian women in paris were said to have gained possession of an item they believed to be rasputin's penis and began venerating it Uh, the relic may have been kept in a wooden casket And the legend is that uh, bits were taken off and given to disciples. Oh, no. Rasputin's daughter, Maria, reportedly heard about the cult, expressing her disapproval in the passing around of her father's dong, apparently. And uh, she was in strong terms denounced it. She uh, took possession of whatever it was that they were worshipping. Naturally, there was no solid evidence at this point that it was, in fact, Rasputin's dick. In 1994, an American turned up claiming he'd found Rasputin's dick in a storage locker in California
0: allegedly.
2: Rasputin's daughter Maria was living in California and a lot of her stuff was in a storage locker that he bought. He bought the contents of a storage locker and found Rasputin's penis, allegedly. It actually, in fact, turned out to be a sea cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. But now the Museum of Russian Erotica claims that they have it. And Atlas Obscura contributor Kristen Winnett visited and got a picture, which means you can actually see it now with your own two eyes. Uh, it's being described as uh, looking a lot like the back leg of a pig. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. It doesn't look human. I mean, it looks human, but it's...
0: It doesn't look like a human. That would be weird. I have a dong that looked like a tiny person, like with arms and legs. Ooh, that would be upsetting.
2: Like just waving
0: at you. No, stop that. Your necks so long. It's very upsetting. <laughs>
2: So people now make a pilgrimage to the Museum of Russian Erotica to see Rasputin's dick. But here's the thing. It's not just out on display. You have to go to the uh, gift shop and, and ask them to let you in to the back room. Well,
0: that's clever.
2: Yeah. And let's face it. There have been cultural obsessions with famous male genitalia. For example, Hitler's penis was supposedly bequeathed to his son Ivan after his death by the Russian army. I did not know this. This is according to Atlas Obscura. Uh, infamous uh, gangster John Dillinger's parts are supposedly housed in the walls of the Smithsonian, although they claim that that's not true. Not inside the wall, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, that's weird.
2: And Napoleon Bonaparte's parts, which are sadly only an inch and a half, and often compared to a shriveled seahorse, according to Atlas Obscura, uh, belong to a man named Evan Latimer who bought the emperor's package for uh, $3,000 in 1977 at a French auction. The Museum of Russia Erotica's founder, Igor Nyaskin, takes particular pride in the fact that his specimen, which is of dubious origin, is larger than the one attributed to the French emperor. By having this exhibit, he says, we can stop envying America, where Napoleon Bonaparte's penis is kept. It cannot stand comparison to the organ of our 30 centimeters.
0: That's just the weirdest thing ever to be proud of.
2: <laughs> well, better that than missiles. You know?
0: I guess that's true. The same thing, though.
2: Yeah. So here's what happens when they let you in to see Rasputin's penis. Okay. Visitors are uh, let into the Rasputin room of the museum, where they're greeted by a life-size figure of the darkly bearded man. Behind him, there is a five-foot-tall glass case with a round red curtain obscuring something inside. Around the perimeter of the room, number of props and plaques and things like that. One station looks a lot like uh, Rasputin's bedroom with a bed, a curtain, a side table. And when you walk past an old telephone, old style telephone rings, you pick it up, The voice, who is supposedly Rasputin himself, mumbles out a clue to his untimely demise. By the time you've made it around the entire room, you're asked to uh, push one of three buttons. And only one of them will reveal the subject of what we're talking about today, which is Rasputin's dick.
0: That's so strange.
2: Now, clearly, all of this kind of straddles the line between legend and reality and myth and fact. And, you know, nobody's really sure if that is Rasputin's dick.
0: It is a body part... Long
2: storied. I mean, it's a long story. Really long. But seriously, you know, if this is true, who who well, thinks of doing that?
0: Also, does his wang have healing powers? That's is what that they say. The idea is that because he was a quote-unquote healer, that his dong now carries those healing powers?
2: Well, apparently it carried some healing powers when he was alive. Um,
0: Sexual healing? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: Sexual healing ah. oh. yeah.
0: I feel like it belongs in the penis museum
2: In Iceland That's what this kind of reminded me of Apparently there's a line to see his penis Even to this day
0: Well I probably won't be posting a photo of that on our Facebook page
2: <laughs> Yeah but if you want to see Rasputin's uh, penis You can just google Rasputin's penis
0: Yeah I mean so there and you go There you have it Pretty fortunate there mm-hmm. in The world we live in
2: Just don't do it at work no. No.
0: NSFW.
2: NSFW, indeed.
0: But we'll post other stuff. You can find that on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, we share our, our book reads on, on Goodreads. It's a good time on the, the social media.
2: Maybe we could just post a picture of the back leg of a pig.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you can use your imagination. But, whoa, yeah. The Box of Oddities, two times a week. We enjoy having you here.
0: We'll have another episode drops on... Thursday. Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
2: Fly it proudly. And be
1: careful where you Google Rasputin penis. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter, at Box of Oddities. And Instagram, at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. All right.
2: Give me some levels there, you.
0: Levels, 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 levels. You have
2: lovely levels. levels. Levels, levels. Hi, I'm Neil. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.